Welcome to The Millionaire's Lawyer, where you'll hear leading professionals share expert advice on how to grow your business and sell it for maximum profitability. If you want to learn lawyer-proven strategies for building and exiting your business, then this is the podcast for you. Your host, J.P. McAvoy, is a business lawyer, college professor, and best-selling author who has been assisting clients start, grow, and sell their businesses for millions of dollars for over 15 years. Will yours be the next? Now here's your host, J.P. McAvoy. On today's episode of The Millionaire's Lawyer, we're speaking with Marion McSpadden. She is, uh, along with her husband, the owner of a multi-million dollar business. She has taken that business, I guess, over the years from what it was to what it is now. And uh, I guess learned a, lot, a few lessons along the way. Uh, interestingly, and she'll, we'll get into some of her previous life or her previous background. I think it's inspired the current version of her business and given her or informed her in ways of running businesses to help them grow and succeed. Marion, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, JP. Thank you for having me on your call. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. And uh, as I say, with that lead in, uh, first, I'd like to talk just maybe a couple of minutes about the business that you're running along with your husband and uh, I guess how you got it to the point where you are now. Well, I was fortunate. My husband was successful in the business when I married him 18 years ago. And what we do is we bring people to buy directly from a factory and add to our network and a lot of our purchasers are large volume purchasers, such as in the agriculture. We know how to grow corn and beans. And we also, uh, that's one division of our company. There's five. And the, another division that is very large is our commercial roof renewals. Like we have products that can resurface an existing metal roof, low slope or flat roof. And then we also uh, delve a little bit in vehicle lubricants and an animal health and wellness line and a health and home line. So what we do is always connect with people and wherever we go, we're connectors, <laughs> looking for those relationships and those problems we can solve and having those people buy directly from the factory. Yeah. So, uh, Marin, the, I guess the strength is the strength of your network, right? you you meet people along the way and in connecting them as I guess it's connect them directly with the manufacturer. Is that what it is? Correct. Yes. Yeah. And is that what has, uh, I guess informed or rounded out the product offering that you have? Correct. And how, so how do you make the uh, introductions or how do you, uh, connect with the manufacturers, uh, and understand that they have a product to bring to market? We, we connect the end users to the factory. Yeah, and I guess I'm um, asking the question from the reverse or the other side. Uh, how have you identified the, uh, I guess, the manufacturer to begin with? Oh, well, um, that's an interesting story because my, my husband got connected with that 35 years ago. So the, the current owner of the manufacturing company was actually in the field like we are at that time. And they connected at a trade show which has a really interesting story, if I can quickly tell his story. Oh, please do. Yeah, let's go down that road. Yeah, my husband was a successful uh, construction. He, he built large-end commercial buildings, uh, also quite a bit of residential. And this was in the early 80s when this intersection happened of, of the current business owner now and my husband. But he was walking through the Kansas City Home Show, which was very large at that time. That was pre-internet. 
So a lot of contractors and people would actually gather in locations. And he was walking through the home show, not looking for anything but windows. He needed a window for a certain project. And so as he was walking along, he paused in the middle of this large show just for a minute to rest. And he saw this water trickling on this demonstration where you could see it was a block sealer and where there was no block sealer there was water trickling down he just stood there and watched it a minute then he walked on he didn't realize that that had that moment something had happened which is why him and i are here it's probably why i'm talking to you today (laughs) it's amazing how those little connections can be very far-reaching but Um, So he continues on his journey, but the people in that booth was actually the current owner of the business we represent. Okay. He was not in the business. He was, that was pre-cell phone. So he was on the payphone somewhere talking and he didn't like to be in the booth so much. He is, he's a little bit of a, I don't like to hold still type guy. So being in a trade show booth wasn't easy. And his wife and another distributor were in the booth um, when my husband stopped. So it was the last day of the show. There was tons of people there. The, the, the hallways or the walkways are just crowded with people. So he comes back and he says, well, how many names did you get while I was gone? And they're like, well, we didn't get any names. People are just kind of moving in groves and it's hard to talk to anybody. And he's like, you mean all these people and you didn't get any names? And they're like, well, there was this one guy that stopped and he just stood there a little while and then he moved on. They're like, he's like, could you recognize him if you saw him again? And both his wife and this, I think the other guy's name was Joe. I'm not sure. But anyway, they're like, yeah, I think we would. So he's like, well, you need to go find him. They're like, what? You're crazy. This was a little while ago. He's like, yeah, you need to go find him. So they're like, well, okay. (laughs) So they take off and they're gone a while and they come back and they didn't find him. And he says, you need to go find him. And his wife, who was there, this is the last day of 10 days. She was like, I've stood here for 10 days. I'm not going anywhere. But the other guy's like, you really have an unction on this, don't you? You really believe this strongly. And he's like, yeah, I do. He said, I would go look, but I didn't see him. I don't know what he looks like. So this guy says, well, I haven't walked the show. I'll just literally walk the show and take it kind of in while I'm looking and see if I can connect connection. And he does. He finds my husband in the window booth, um, making a window, you know, talking business. And he just kind of slips up and says, can I have a business card? And he gives him a card and he goes back to the booth carrying this little business card. Well, he didn't know what this was all about and literally forgot it. I mean, it just wasn't anything important to him at the moment. So the next week he starts getting these messages on his um, message machine saying, hey, um, this is, my name is Charles, and I didn't get a chance to meet you at the trade show, but I'd love to have a connection with you. Could we set up an appointment? And my husband would just erase it because he was gone during the day when he got these calls. And uh, so one day he had forgot something that he needed on the job, and he comes back to the office, and the phone rings. He picks up the phone, and it was this, this man that he kept re- erasing. And same thing. Hey, I didn't get a chance to meet you, but I'd like to connect with you. And so they set up an appointment date. And this is pre-cell phone, so you can't check in with people. 
<laughs> and make sure that they're, rem they're remembering their, their appointment, et cetera. And the day of the appointment comes, and my husband says it was a day when everything just kept going downhill for him, and he, he forgot it. So he looks at his clock at appointment time, and is like, oh, man, I blew that guy off. And so um, something in him said, well, I'll go, I'll go anyway. I like to be a man of my word. I want to go. I'll go anyway. The only problem was he was 30 minutes away from the appointment town. He was in the wrong town. So he drove as fast as he could and he gets there. And just as he, the, the um, Charles, the owner of the company, he had got there 30 minutes early. He waited to appointment time. He waited 30 minutes after. And he's like, well, I guess we got stood up. So he's leaving the driveway as my husband comes driving in and he had the McSpadden construction sign on his buckboard and they saw it and turned around and met him at the restaurant. So that is how we connect with people. And in a long story short, they built a relationship and found the solution for a situation that my husband had a need for product. And that was ultimately what built that relationship was uh, my husband needed a commercial roofing product, and it just happened that they had the product that fixed his problem. Well, the power of that connection, right, Marion? I mean, it's really yes. the power of that connection to, uh, as you say, I mean, you built a business on the, on just that, understanding that uh, there are times when people need to uh, work together. Uh, the ones that uh, are able to find themselves to do that can actually build you know, something for the greater good. And it sounds like, uh, well, your husband uh, learned that very same lesson a long time ago. Uh, himself. So when you're making connections now uh, or building connections, how are you doing that? How uh, do you and your husband uh, you know, grow the business? How are you making new connections that you can rely on and take the business in new directions with? Well, it's interesting, uh, JP. A lot of times they say that the way you're brought into a business or what your success thing was in that initial connection is how you will continue because you, you experience that. So my husband still loves to do trade shows. He is very good in a booth and he's very good at getting into the people's lives and establish a rapport by letting people talk about themselves. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, so many times when we are excited about our own product or we have something of value, we want to give people feature and benefit. And he's got a real gift to be able to connect with people and find out about them. And when he can find that little niche, then he tries to pull on that pain of, you know, what is the pain that, that they have a, a need in their life. And then we get the connection and then we follow up with them. So that is still primarily like he does things because, you know, 35 years ago, uh, he says, I'm still old school and I build this business with a number two lead pencil and a big chief tablet. <laughs> <laughs> so I know in the advanced modern world, we have social media and, and many things that they didn't have in the 80s, but there is still something to be said about the belly button to belly button relationship that he references to. So he still presses flesh, right? He's still shaking He's, hands and making sure he meets yes, people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, that's absolutely the case. I'm hearing more and more people saying we need to resort back to that as well. Yes, of course, leverage uh, the technology. Yes. But understand it's people behind companies that build companies, right? So uh, uh, it sounds like that's what your husband uh, has been doing all along and obviously led to the success we're talking about today. Yes. And the farmers, they still gather quite a bit in like 
large machinery, you know, trade shows type things. So that is actually where we get most of our connections. And sometimes there's farmers that can use our commercial roofing application, right. which are the, the ones we focus on the most because they're the largest, they built the most income. Right, right. Uh, so it's the most uh, most lucrative as well, the area you that you want to be in. Correct. Uh, so uh, farming or so the commercial roofing, is it for barns and, uh, you know, large, uh, large uh, farm structures? Is that where you're predominantly located? Well, um, see, when we work at a trade show, we're looking for primarily two things. One of them would be for a farmer that would have a need for a restoration on a metal roof, that maybe a hay barn or a shop, machinery shed that's leaking, and we can we can solve that problem of a leaking roof. But at the same time, we're also looking for people who want to make money because our, our commercial roofing applicators make really good money. That is actually the fastest and the quickest way that anybody can make money in anything our company offers. And how's that? Is that, is that by reselling or how, how are you talking about them making money themselves? Service. Servicing, I see. Okay. Yeah, they use the 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 Conklin name and the Conklin product, and they get to uh, provide a service. And in the commercial re-roofing market, and especially with the way the economy is right now, and uh, it's a hundred percent tax deductible on business um, maintenance right now, so they don't have to prorate it. They can deduct. If they spent $500,000 on their roof, they can deduct that off their taxes the first year. So there's a lot of benefits, and there's also some green benefits, and all our products are uh, high energy efficient. So if you take, have you ever laid your hand on metal or stepped on a piece of metal on a hot day? Yeah, of course, to feel the heat from that. Yeah, for sure. You can almost cook an egg on it some days when it's really hot. If you put our coating on that same metal, it'll cool it to air temperature, Hmm. where you can lay your hand on it, and it'll actually feel cool because a lot of times the temperature is cooler than your hand is. Yeah. So they're very high energy efficient. They're VLC compliant. So if there's a disaster and there's a wash off or something, it can run down a stream and it won't destroy Hmm. um, animals lives or, you know, the plants. So if you handle it, it's not harmful to your health. It's cold applied. So that part of it is we're always looking for people who might uh, be entrepreneurs, business people, but they like to be outside. They want to, there's people that like to be inside making great money, sitting at a desk. And then there's people who are not happy there. (laughs) They love to be outside fighting a little bit of the weather, you know, whether it's hot or cold, you know, out there, which we don't do roofing in the winter time. Our products are all. That would be a little bit too much fighting the weather, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but there's just that. I, I grew up in the country and I understand a little bit of that fight for, you know, I, I got a little of that fight in myself. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk about that because you've got a very interesting story yourself. As you say, as you grew up and uh, obviously to get to where you are now, take us through that, some of that history. Well, I think all of us, Anybody, nobody gets born with a silver spoon. Yes, some people have more education and they do have more opportunities for higher influence friends. But other than that, I think any successful person has to dig that out themselves. We have to character develop. We have to learn the skill sets that produce long-term successful businesses. And I've heard successful stories of people who 
were literally born on the streets and they had that, you know, that courage in them to self-develop and learn the skill sets. So my story might be a little bit of more of that side. I wasn't born on the street, but I was born in a very limiting and a confining place where there was no technology, eighth grade education. You were expected to stay within the culture and, you know, live within the realms of the rules. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't like I was in a place where I was held hostage and, you know, I couldn't go anywhere, but just the mindset that I was trained. And I think for anyone, that limiting mindset that we have to break through to go to the next level is the same for everyone. Because we can be making a million dollars a year and say, hey, that's great, but I know that I have more potential, but we have the mindset that we don't believe we could do more. And I think it doesn't matter where you are in the journey. Um, if I could share with people the power of tapping into other people's expertise who already have done that or coach people into that, I think that's where every time my success came for breakthroughs was to connect with people who knew what I didn't know and they were able to help me break into that next level freedom. So when I was 34 years old, I actually escaped in the dark because I loved so many things and there was so much comfort there to be part of that community, family of generations, grandparents, aunts, uncles, and many nieces and nephews. Some of them were very close and dear to me. I was single at 34. I didn't have children. So it was like I took that journey by myself and I would have taken some of my nieces and nephews with me, but they weren't mine. So they would have probably called me for kidnapping. <laughs> you can't do that then. Yeah. You can take care of yourself. So you got, you, you, you left, obviously you made a decision to leave. I made a decision to leave and it came through. Um, I taken on um, some responsibilities in the community. And one of them was to help women birth in their homes, mm -hmm. which is what they wanted to do. So I was like, termed like a midwife to support women. And I think the oppression that came with the responsibility and not, and having a broken heart, there's things that had happened early in my life that just kind of put me on the bottom side of just feeling free. I always carried guilt and shame of um, the things that had happened. And I just, I, I wasn't able to break free. And, and I found that I was, you know, I always knew my story, but at the age of 33, I verbalized it to someone else and they're like, oh, I was raped when I was five oh, and goodness. I never put language to it. I always knew my story, but when I could have figured it out, I put a lid on it and I didn't go there till that kind of fateful, but also blessed day of being able to start a healing, healing process. So that whole journey of exiting and a healing process. I took the courage to stand up to the person that um, violated my life for two reasons. I knew for my own freedom, I needed to do that. And also to raise an awareness to protect other children because I didn't want other children to have to suffer what I did. And I had no confidence that this person was a safe person. I didn't know because all of a sudden lots of fear came up when when I verbalized this and I had to fight through that fear 
But during that seeking of trying to find my way, and it was like I was crossing that river of change or reformation. And as I was making that crossing, I was like swimming, you know, getting out in that deep water and it's so turbulent. I literally felt like I was going to drown in the oppression, in the who am I? What What is happening in my life? I've always believed I would be this. Now this is happening and I... I don't know. I I literally did not know anymore who I was or how I could relate to life. I, I can appreciate it was quite quite a journey, uh, you know. And you've been able, and I'm sensitive, obviously, to uh, you know, a very traumatic experience at a much younger age. You get to the spot in your 30s where you make a decision to to move on, and it's obviously been something that uh, uh, was a difficult decision at the time. And you've worked through that and got to the point now where you can happily look back and. And say that you've uh, been able to to build success uh, from that decision, taking that leap and making that decision to move forward, right? Right. And I want to say there was one thing that really for me became clear because I, I started crying out to God for help. But God was like this far away, angry God. I didn't know that he would even be able to help me, but I didn't know who else to ask. And in that that scary moments, those scary times, I discovered that he was a God who came near. And that nearness was love. It was peace. It was a purity and innocence. And I, I felt like this is something so safe that I can put all my trust in it. And that's what I did. Instead of trusting the religious organization I grew up with, instead of trusting that everything my family had taught me was the truth, I decided I was going to trust him. And it became such a safe place for me to go to in the midst of this journey. And that is literally how I moved forward is just trusting him, doing things in the natural and moving forward with real life things. And then coming into the business with that, I have continued to carry that nearness with me. And I didn't know early on who I was because I knew in my new life, I couldn't identify with the old person or the old skill sets. I was going to have to develop new skill sets and I didn't know what they looked like. So my prayer became God, make me all you want me to be. And I think part of it is he is now releasing my voice to like go to in ways that I never dreamed, (laughs) you know, with podcasting, you can, impact people from all across the world literally absolutely yeah there's quite a reach it's amazing uh, how uh people people find and uh, embrace the podcast the forum obviously the millionaire's lawyer is one uh, that has uh, resonated with uh, business owners and as they hear your story i'm sure that people will find uh things from it that they can draw upon in their own ways as they as they build their business as they look to uh, uh build their business uh, uh for the future can you leave our uh, listeners with some thoughts about uh uh, the ways that you and your husband have been able to build your business and some of the things they can draw upon is perhaps they seek to grow their own? Well, um, I think having clarity of where you want to go is is very big. You know, if, if your boat is going well and you don't want to rock the boat, then you, you know, that's where you're going to stay. But if you want to build something, you got to endure a little rocking. And I think that's what my husband and I have had to figure out. How do you live together and work a business together when there's some rocking going on? Yeah, there's always, the boat's always going to be rocking at times, but uh, to keep it, uh, keep it afloat, right? The goal is to keep everything afloat. 
And good communication within the home is so important to, you know, speak your truths, not assume the other person knows what you're thinking about or what your fears are or that they know what you want to do. You know, speak clearly and have clarity where you want to go, clarity in your communication, what you see happening, and also be willing to listen to the other person's fears. Because my husband's a little more like set in his ways because he's done this a long time and he's been successful at it. So I come in with a little more newer ideas. I'm also younger than he is by several years. And I think I have continually challenged his boundaries. And then also understanding that if he can, because in my last efforts that I've made to bring some new education in and educating myself. I bought a business school and to further our business and also to start my own speaking. I do public speaking as well. I can speak to corporations that want a keynote speaker where I can use some of my story and, and also, you know, give people hope that you can go farther than what you ever dreamed. If a barefoot country, little Mennonite girl in a dress can become a multimillionaire business person and speak to, you know, have the courage to speak to anyone because intimidation a lot of times is what has limited me. And you've obviously overcome that. Are you now in the spot where you certainly don't hesitate to stand up and speak? You're doing speaking engagements as well, explaining this and the same principles. If somebody wanted to reach out to you, find you, Uh, maybe learn a little bit more and perhaps book you for a speaking engagement. How would they find you? They can find me at everythingyoutry.com. And there is a little, I've got a video on there that they can see who I am just a little bit more in face than my voice. And there's a button there that says connect with me. And so they can book a free consultation. And then if they go down a little farther on that page, they'll also find a link where they can connect to me by email and they'll get a free chapter of my first book. That's great. Well, Marianne, I appreciate your time today. You're sharing your story, obviously the growth of your business and obviously how you uh, had to overcome a few obstacles on the way to getting there. Lessons uh, to be learned for anybody that is in a similar situation or looking to grow their business. Because as you say, uh, I think you said in a very nice way that the little Mennonite girl you know, barefoot coming through and out to the other side where, you know, you've now built a company and perhaps at some point later on, you'll be transitioning the company in the same way that uh, I think it was Charles you mentioned uh, earlier, you know, that he had originally done that uh, with your husband. So thanks so much for being on The Millionaire's Lawyer. And we look forward to staying connected and watching the growth of your business as it continues into the future. Thank you, JP. Thanks for listening to The Millionaire's Lawyer. Please subscribe and rate on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. To get your business millionaire assessed and to access the wide variety of resources that we offer in addition to this podcast, go to jpmcavoy.com. That's jpmcavoy.com.